Well, you're in your little room And you're working on something good But if it's really good You're gonna need a bigger room And when you're in the bigger room You might not know what to do You might have to think of how you got started Sitting in your little room da 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 with White Tiger Radio. As you can see, we're on the air right now. There are tens of people all over the country <laughs> listening to what's going on here. And they're loving it. So today is February 15th, which means we all survived Valentine's Day unscathed. And uh, I think there are exactly three thoughts that go through people's minds on Valentine's Day. If you are not in a relationship, you're thinking, Fuck Valentine's Day. It's a bullshit manufactured holiday. I don't need to drink champagne and eat strawberries to be happy. I'm perfectly happy at home watching House of Cards with my cats. I'm happy. And if you're in a new relationship, you're thinking, this is so amazing. I'm finally getting the Valentine's Day that I have always wanted and that I deserve and that everybody else has already had. I'm just, I'm just so happy. And if you're married with kids, you're thinking, I wonder if joint custody is as good as it sounds. <laughs> I bet it is. It sounds pretty good. I mean, you basically get to spend multiple days alone in the house. Essentially, there's nobody you can't make leave your house. Nobody you can't make leave your house. Sounds like perfection, but of course, the dark side of joint custody is divorce. And we've been talking about divorce in our house a little bit lately because my young daughter's friend Lisa, her parents are getting a divorce. And uh, the other day I was on the phone, she came in and she mouthed the word mom. <laughs> because she knows I'll go crazy if I get interrupted on the phone. So she's trying to not interrupt me by interrupting me somehow. So, so I just give her the quietest and meanest look that I can, and she leaves the room. So that's done. But then two minutes later, she comes back in, does it again. So I just start snapping my fingers and pointing into the other room to make her go into the other room. And it works, and she leaves again. Two minutes later, she comes back, she's got tears running down her cheeks. And so I drudge out the last bit of compassion I have, put the phone down. I say, honey, what's wrong? She says, mom, why don't Lisa's parents live in the same house anymore? No. So I got down and I said, because Lisa kept interrupting her mother when she was <laughs>
once again, I feel very underdressed for this particular garage, but I tried. I tried real hard. It's, it was Valentine's Day. We all survived. It's true, we did. Uh, my favorite story about Valentine's Day is uh, happened uh, a couple years back. It made national news, and it was a Portland couple, okay? They were at home on Valentine's Day having sex, but it was special sex. It was, there was bondage sex. They were at home bondaging, and they decided... That to spice it up, <laughs> they were gonna take they're gonna take it on the road, and so he threw her. Do you remember this? Does anybody remember this? It was in North Portland too. No, it was he's, they're here, everybody. No, not here. Not embarrassing them. But maybe who knows? Well, you find out after the show. And um, so so they're having bondage sex. He throws her in the back of the of the of the hatchback, all trussed up, and drives to New Seasons. <laughs> Because, I don't know about you guys, like, whenever I'm having sex, I'm like, what could make this better? <laughs> Overpaying for blood oranges, right? <laughs> so he throws her in the Subaru, leaves her in the parking lot, all trussed up, naked, in the back of the Subaru, goes inside New Seasons to, you know, buy, you know, <laughs> third generation organic chocolate or whatever. And, and then the manager of New Seasons calls the cops. Right, because they think there's foul play. The cops did not respond. That's you know because they didn't believe that anybody with a Subaru has that much fun. <laughs> no, they, I'm just joking. They definitely showed up. Um, they were really nice. They let the couple keep the handcuffs. It was a really <laughs> pleasant exchange. Um, oh, picture time. <laughs> I took a pic. I'm trying to like keep my eyes. So for the radio people, for the, all the people listening uh, on the radio, I look great. So this was made good choices. Everybody looks great in here. It's nice to be here. So um, I can I can swear probably, right? No FC. Yeah, fuck the FCC, y'all. Um, I uh, okay. So I'll tell you a little little dirty story. Um, I, uh, I I brought a, a boy home the other day, and I was taking off his pants for sex, not like a prank. <laughs> Don't be weird, guys. And um, as I was kind of like taking off um, his pants, because of the angle of the bed and like just the situation, um, the contents of his pockets emptied all over the bed. And what was in his pockets was like a pound of change. So much change, an inappropriate amount of change, and it wasn't like laundry change. It wasn't like a lot of like quarters. It was nickels and pennies. It was suspicious. Why does this guy have so much small change in his pockets? Is he making a lot of wishes? Uh, what is happening? And it was just all over the bed. It's just pouring. He's just treating my bed like a swear jar, a fucking coin star machine. And then we're rolling around in it. We didn't want to stop. We were in the middle of something. So we were just rolling around in it like a poverty version of Indecent Proposal or like a pornographic version of DuckTales of Scrooge McDuck. I got everybody in the Venn diagram of pop culture, I think. Good job. Um, after I told a comedian that joke, and he and he was like, Brie, Scrooge McFuck. And then he just disappeared into steam. And I was like, oh yeah, Scrooge McFuck. So anyway, so we're rolling around this change. And guys, currency um, is dirty. You know, that's just something you need to know. And sex is sticky. And we were just covered with the stuff. Just like scales, like reptiles. Like we were some low-rent Lady Gaga costume. Or like, like we were in art school. And we're like, oh, we're going to cover our bodies to represent like capitalism and reptile nature. But our budget is $3.95. So, so we got over our bodies. Gross. But one thing that was sort of fun about it 
Uh, one thing that was sort of fun about it is like I had not been with this person before and I was opening his pants for the first time and I saw his penis for the first time and um, it was a good one. I was excited, I was stoked. <laughs> I was just like, oh, yay. And, um, and the change was just pouring out of his pockets and I thought, jackpot, and then I heard ding, 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 feel bad about their bodies, a lot of men in the room, and I, you know, you men get a lot of messages about your bodies. <laughs> the women are laughing because they never not get messages about their bodies, um, but uh, yeah, so so I, I want you men to feel good about your, your penises, like, I, I, you know, it takes all kinds, I happen to like a bigger penis, I also like, uh, you know, like a circumcised penis, I, you know, like my penises like I like my military spending, massive cutbacks, you know what I'm saying? You <laughs> I'll take the politics, but not the penis part. Um, you can take whatever part of that joke you want. Anyway, um, so yeah, I like I like a bigger penis. And not that I'm disappointed in a smaller penis. When a smaller penis is in front of me, it's kind of like uh, a salad in front of me. And I know you've never heard food and sex equated, so just kind of go with it. But um, <laughs> the smaller penis, it's like a salad, because I think, is this going to satisfy me? Or am I going to need to have another one later? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> But you, all you men, all your penises are different and very special, and so don't feel bad. Special little snowflakes, um, but you know. I, but and everybody thinks it's great to have a big penis, but, but guys with big penises have a hard time. It's not like an easy life, you know, because um, you know penises are designed to just bang the shit out of s stuff. And when I say stuff, I mean you know like um, vaginas and butts and mouths and holes and. Pumpkins and sweatshirts. I don't know. Like, what else? I'm trying to think about. What would I want to put my penis in if I had a, like? Oh, I thought about an eclair. Wouldn't that be a good thing? Because it's already like in the microwave. That would. That's a good. Have you guys never? Because they talk about pies all the time, but an eclair is like. I mean, a eclair is built for that purpose. It's gotta be. Some French guy came up with that. <laughs> an eclair is like the fleshlight of the food world. It's all things. Cream, you thrust real hard at the. Sorry, this is. You guys need to understand. I am really a nice, sweet, loving girl. Just happen to be talking about dicks tonight. But um, you know. Okay, I'll talk about something else now. I'm just gonna do a couple more minutes. We have such a good show. It's gonna be so awesome, you guys. I'm, I'm really stoked. Um, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a lady comedian. There's a lot of sexism out there. Um, a lot of sexism out there for lady. Like, for example, like if I choose to have sex with an older man, I have daddy issues, right? You've heard that? Yeah. Like, I just think that's so ridiculous. Like, first of all, my dad's not even black. And <laughs> if anything, I got Morgan Freeman issues. Uh, I'm working on it. Um, I'm, uh, I'm not really ready to be like a mom, but kids love me. Like, children, like, I'll go around, babies will stop crying around me and just, like, I'll be walking around an airport and then I'll just, a kid will be holding my hand. Like... Hey, where are we going? That's a pretty big purse. You got any cookies in there? Like, yeah, I do. They're for me. And that's where I am in my life. Um, I'll just be at a bus stop and a toddler will just crawl in my lap and start whispering secrets. <laughs> the blue wiggle is your favorite wiggle? Oh, that's a boring secret. <laughs> that's a boring. 
Uh, people think I, I, I love animals. They see me and they think, oh, you must love animals because I'm like chubby and loving and I always have bacon in my pockets. <laughs> I don't love all animals. Like, I'm not like a, every, I'm a dog person. I, I think that's so crazy to say I love every dog. I mean, I don't love every human, right, that I see. I don't love every human by any stretch. I love, you know, bangable dudes, smart women, you know, gay folks. And people can break dance and like that's it. <laughs> that's all I have. All the tolerance I have. Um, and I had to babysit a puppy because um, my dad was sick. And by the way, if your parents you keep track of what your parents are buying, because when they die, that shit belongs to you. There isn't like a service that goes around picking up all the things that aren't supported by your lifestyle. Um, like a puppy, I don't know what to do with it. I'm a single person, and I can't leave the puppy at my house because it's my understanding that dogs are chocolate is poisonous to dogs, and I have more chocolate in my house than books. Um, you know, and it's, it's hidden all over the house, you know, I don't, I, so I had to take the puppy with me. So I was driving it around, and I was so, like, stressed out, and I had this puppy in the car, and I was like, oh, listen, puppy, I'm in no mood for an adventure. And the puppy just kind of, like, cocks his puppy head, and he steps on the button that rolls all the windows down in the car. And then I was like, oh, I get it now. You're, you have a dog, because it's just, like, a constant YouTube video turning out cute stuff. All right, I get it. I'm on board. Okay, well, um, I am going to introduce our next comic now. You guys are feeling good? Feeling hot? It's kind of toasty in here. It's real toasty on stage. Comics, beware. Start taking off those layers. Um, your next comic coming to stage is uh, is coming. Uh, she's doing a benefit for the Portland Women's Crisis Line on March 24th, February 24th. So if you're interested in those kind of supporting those kinds of things, check her out of that. And uh, we, uh, Katie and I are going to be uh, at in Bellevue, Washington. For those of you who drove down from Bellevue, Washington, some of you, I know. Um, for those of you at Bellevue, Washington, the Disoriented Comedy Tour, put your hands together right now for the very funny Katie Nguyen. advice we give to young people uh, and how most of it's way easier said than done. Uh, for example, if a young person is being made fun of, we tell them to say, hey, I'm rubber and you are glue, whatever you say, bounces off of me, sticks to you. Um, when in my experience, it's been a lot more like, hey, I am Tupperware and you are tomato sauce, whatever you say, it becomes a part of me and ruins me forever. <laughs> about their lives and their living habits. Um, you know, so like, do you stay up late? Do you make a lot of noise? Would you say that your personal boundary is more akin to those of a contestant on Survivor, The Bachelorette, or the game they played in that movie Saw? <laughs> uh, it's been kind of hard, though, because I, I haven't had a lot of roommates, so I've been basing a lot of my criteria off of harmonious relationships I've seen on TV. Um, don't worry, I think I have a firm grasp on the difference between Hollywood and reality. Um, I mean, I know that when I wear glasses, no one wants to date me. I know that I know more about computers than all my white friends, but not my Indian friends. Um, and I know that if you're working
working in a movie theater and a tall person in a trench coat comes up and asks for one ticket, please, you should check the length of his arms because he's probably actually two little kids standing on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I see a tall person in a trench coat, there's two kids over there. <laughs> um, have you ever noticed how uh, photo shoots for trendy stores like Urban Outfitters and American Eagle, their, their photo shoots are always these like pretentiously whimsical situations that the models get themselves into. Um, there's this Levi store near my house, and it's got these giant photo window displays, and they're just super obnoxious, and it's like, look at us, we sit on city rooftops at desk wearing jeans. <laughs> <laughs> or, look at us, we fancy tea parties in the forest using toadstools as saucers and jeans. <laughs> doing a circle jerk on a first edition Jack Kerouac in jeans. <laughs> um, I don't know if you guys have, uh, you know in that online dating profile, that one section that says six things I can't live without. Mm-hmm. I'm supposed to like represent people's you know, priorities and things about them. Um, I, was, I came across this guy's profile the other day uh, and his six things were you know, kind of interesting. Um, it was uh, rubber gloves, bleach, hazmat suit, plastic sheets, boiling water, and condoms. <laughs> right? And so I was like, oh man, either this guy's a serial killer, or he's really into safe sex, and I dig that. people who could be accessing all our personal online activity, you know, our emails, online dating profiles, you know, poetry. So like, you know, that can make you really paranoid and really upset. Or it can make you realize that your dating pool is a lot larger than you once thought it was. <laughs> it's kind of hard to get a hold of them, I say. Um, so I've just been emailing nude photos and love poems laced with explosive terminology. <laughs> to schools and Muslim organizations. <laughs> I find a man. <laughs> so romantic and threatening. <laughs> I was reading this magazine though the other day, and it had this tip for men, and I thought it was kind of cool. And it said like, oh, if a woman plays with her hair when she's talking to you, that means that she's into you. And I was like, oh. So I, uh, I tried it on the guy I was dating, um, and it didn't go over so it didn't go well. Um, <laughs> I think mostly because it just said, play with your hair, and it didn't say, don't cut off all your hair and make a doll and set up a tea party. <laughs> party. <laughs> <laughs> just play with your hair. <laughs> Uh, but I've been learning a lot lately. Uh, I've, I found this one book, you guys should check it out. It talks about the different genders and how they relate, you know, and how they're different. Um, it's called uh, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Shopping! Because <laughs> <laughs> they're from there. <laughs> uh, a 
Lisa like to tell me that I have a, uh, I have almond-shaped eyes. I think that's a compliment. Uh, <laughs> it always kind of confused me though, because it's not every human have almond-shaped eyes. <laughs> like I'm pretty sure if I ever saw someone with peanut-shaped eyes, I would throw up. Gross. <laughs> 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 I was waiting for the max the other day though, and this older guy came up to me, started talking to me, and eventually came up that I was Vietnamese. And he was like, and he gets a smile on his face, and he's like, oh, I was in the Vietnam War. <laughs> and I was like, dude, what the fuck am I supposed to say? My name is Inigo Bakzung. You killed my dad's cousin's roommate's hairdresser. <laughs> Prepare to get. Uh, walked away from real slow. <laughs> uh, which is probably what I should have said, but I kept talking because it seemed really nice. Uh, and he's actually uh, have, at my parents' house tonight, having fun, watching Full Metal Jacket. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you guys have noticed this. Um, has anybody ever noticed how in movies and in the media, the media, um, Werewolves are, werewolves are almost always white. Maybe black sometimes. Um, I can't help but thinking about the, what it'd be like if like an Asian person come in my role. Kind of have the idea to be like a little less werewolf, like a little more were-siamese cat. <laughs> One of those hairless ones, you just grow like a ton of skin. And you're like really mean. <laughs> as bad as it gets. Just <laughs> pretty bad. Mean cats are the worst. Uh, I grew up in a kind of traditional Vietnamese household, and uh, in Vietnamese culture, you have to use titles whenever you dress anyone. Um, so it was always kind of weird when I had my friends over and I had to dress my parents using titles. Uh, and it was extra weird when I had to explain to them that they had to call them my lord and my lady. <laughs> But in high school, my dad was super into curfews, like really into curfews. Uh, and he would always round up, no matter what time it was when I got home. So if I got home at 9.30, he'd be like, hey, it's 10 o'clock. If I got home at like 10 o'clock, he'd be like, it's 11 o'clock. <laughs> if I got home after midnight, he'd put on a Rip Van Winkle costume, pretend it had been 40 years since he'd last seen me. <laughs> Set a closet full of shit from Sky Mom. This stuff is normal, no! <laughs> Hate speech! Hate speech! Hate speech! Hate speech! 
knows about the ten, the, no, the seven deadly sins, the you know the sins so bad, die. Uh, I guess. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, everybody knows about them. But, uh, nobody ever really talks about the eight sins that just give you super bad heartburn. Because <laughs> 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 those are really important to you. Um, I was on the bus the other day and I saw a van drive by, and on the side of the van it said Dave's Garage Doors. I was like, oh. Probably a business, one by a guy named Dave, that deals in garage doors. Or, <laughs> it's just a guy named Dave who collects garage doors, and he's just like really proud. <laughs> and he drives around in a van, and he's like, hey, garage doors, Dave. <laughs> skirts too, uh, but I don't like when people look at my crotch without my permission. Uh, so I wear shorts under my skirts, uh, black shorts, uh, but some, sometimes that still doesn't feel like enough coverage for me, um, so I got a strap on. <laughs> but, but I got kind of bored with that after a while. Uh, so I got some modeling clay and paint, and it looks like a little head that comes out of Alien's mouth, an alien. <laughs> feel much more comfortable now. Uh, my friends have been getting on my case lately for getting way up in people's personal space, people I don't know. Um, true. Um, I think it's because I need way less personal space than more people, most people. Uh, like instead of a bubble, it's more like a layer, like a really thin layer, like a thin latex layer, <laughs> like a thin-lipped latex layer. <laughs> Strangers are just friends you have in any of right? <laughs> <laughs> Glad I can't see most of your faces. <laughs> uh, I used to work at, uh, a Spanish camp, it was like a Spanish immersion camp, like on a lake with canoes and stuff, but everything was in Spanish and the kids always wanted to hear you speak in English. Um, you said you didn't, but if you spend weeks on end in the forest with them, they end up hearing you speak your native language at some point or another. Uh, and one morning at breakfast, all the girls in my cabin started giggling at once. And I was like, que pasa chicas? <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, and I was like, what? No. And they're like, yep, you were talking in your sleep last night. And at first I was like, dread. The illusion of me actually me actually the illusion of me actually being a Hispanic person is ruined. <laughs> but then but then you realize you were talking in your sleep and you could have said anything. You're like, oh fuck, was it a sex dream? <laughs> and you're like, oh, what did I say? And they were like, you were like, that'll do, pig. <laughs> and I was like, Fufta, it was only the end of a sex dream, no big deal. <laughs> uh, 
This doesn't fit. But I have the receipt. <laughs> and I call this uh, honorable discharge. For America. <laughs> Uh, there's this custodian at my work. His name's Josh. He was really nice. He's, um, we talk a lot because um, we're like the youngest people in the office. Uh, but I always forget that he's going to clean the ladies' restroom at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm always in the ladies' restroom at 3 o'clock in, in the afternoon. And um, one time, the other, the other week, uh, he knocks on the door and he's like, anybody in there? And I'm like, yeah! <laughs> I'm just sitting there and he came out and uh, so I had to make eye contact for like four weeks because um, he knew it was me he, knew, he knows my voice um, so, um, but I've been working on some strategies to, to prevent similar similar appearances in the future um, so uh, I can share them with you guys uh, so, for example, next time when he's like, anybody in there? Like, yes! But it's definitely not Katie! And she's definitely not in here singing the step-by-step -step theme song to herself! That would be weird! <laughs> or like, uh, anybody in there? Baka! 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 Call this uh, best day at the worst job ever. Boy, all those porta potties had a really high peanut poop ratio. Good. And I call this worst day at the best job ever. What do you mean there are no defective packages of Sour Patch Kids produced today and that I'll only get to eat as many free Sour Patch Kids as I want because I work here at the Sour Patch Kids factory? <laughs> <laughs> you all wonderful. Thank you very much. Yay! Hey now, and ladies and gentlemen, she is lovely. Your next comic. I handpicked uh, with the producers. I handpicked all the comics tonight, and I tried to. What are you giggling about? That would sound like a qualifier. I think they're so great, and that's why I picked them. But I tried to alternate between like whimsical and kind of sexual and aggressive. So guess what's coming up next, ladies and gentlemen? He might not be sexual. I just feel like maybe that's his space tonight. I don't know. Who knows. Um, he's he's a very celebrated comic in Portland. He's he's um, uh, doing great things, touring all around. Um, he didn't give me any credits, but I know that we're on a show together on March eighth at the Waypost, which is in North Portland. So maybe you maybe you hit that up. So ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together right now for Mr. Curtis Cook. sexually aggressive. <laughs> Not right now. Later. 
all about timing. I learned how to flirt mostly when you're just around a woman until all their other options die, and she's like, well, Curtis is all right. It's not the worst thing that ever happened. I don't know what a woman feels like anymore. So lonely. I, I'm sorry. Bree, what's up? I have the nails at a grocery store trying to buy some soap because that's the thing you have to do. And I noticed that one side of the aisle was this beautiful sugar-colored hue of deliciousness with flavors like strawberry, passion, and pomegranate bliss and kiwi forever. And all those flavors were for women, which sucked because the men's side of the aisle was just a bunch of black and blue bottles all named after either some kind of ice or a mountain. <laughs> Disappointing. And I wanted to buy the woman's soap, but I'm afraid that one day I'm going to wake up to have some strange gender-based amnesia where I can't remember who I am unless everything I own has the word Mandarin somewhere on it in bold letters. So I can take a shower, it's like, oh, who am I? Oh, my man, I smell like cold rocks. <laughs> it's going to be a good day. I was trying, like, I tried to price compare to see if the woman's bottles of soap would be cheaper so I'd have an excuse to buy them, but both the bottles cost the same, which is weird because one of those groups makes significantly less money. <laughs> women's bottle of soap should cost at least 30 cents less. Yeah. I saw it, and then I tried to read the back of the bottles to see if I could convince myself that way, and the back of the women's bottle said, Hey, girl, after a long day at the office and being who they want you to be, don't you deserve to come home and exfoliate a bath of all-natural herbal essences because you're worth it? And I was like, yeah, girl. <laughs> and then I read the back of the men's bottle, and I was like, hey, you know go what goes good with pussy and beer? This lotion. It's disgusting. Pussy, beer, and lotion, three excellent things separately together. Somebody's getting a UTI and cranberry juice is expensive. And I wish that they were going to try to market a product to be based on the kind of person I was supposed to be that would take it one step further. It to be like, Head and shoulders for men who do the crippling issues of abandonment and feared success shout their opinions at strangers in the form of jokes somewhere in a garage for the second time even though they were always supposed to do it once and just didn't tell anybody. <laughs> Two-in-one shampoo and conditioner. <laughs> Cocoa butter for colored girls who have considered suicide when the rainbow ain't enough. <laughs> no, is this the wrong room for that joke? <laughs> Color me surprised. <laughs> of the inherently oppressive entity that is a white tiger. <laughs> yeah, you just have to say big words and then white and everybody's fine. <laughs> I, uh, I did shrooms the other day and it wasn't good. I had a bad time. Everyone was like, look at that bush, it looks like a dinosaur. And then I thought about being eaten alive for the first five hours. And then they were like, we're going to go pet puppies, it'll be great, Curtis. And then they pet the puppy and they're like, oh, this is great. And they pass it to the next person. They were like, oh, it's great. And then they pass the puppy to me. And I was like, I could kill this creature with my bare hands. I need to leave. Uh, but then there was one moment of beautiful clarity when I was on my back looking up at the stars and realized that we as people, as human beings, are all connected in this ever-growing circle of love that no matter what happens, we're supposed to be able to make it through because we care about each other and that's what matters. And then 30 seconds later, I was like, nah, I'm just on drugs. <laughs> that's not at all how the world works. <laughs> dream last night where I was a baby being held in my father's arms as he repeatedly shook me back and forth screaming, you have unresolved issues with me. I woke up, I was like, Jesus, what does that mean? <laughs> Dad's are weird. I watched a movie recently called Angels in the Outfield 
And I didn't know, like, I remembered it being a story about a little boy who wanted to win his Little League game, so he prayed to God and God sent angels and they won the big game, but that's not what it's about. It's about a little boy whose mom died, so his dad sent him to foster care because why the fuck should a father parent a child? <laughs> and then he gets the foster care, like, his dad is like, we can only be a family again if this obscure baseball team wins the World Series. So the boy prays to God and God sends angels and they win the big game, and the boy's like, Dad, can we be a family again? And the dad's like, fuck no. <laughs> Uh, and I think that's weird, because that means of all the prayers in the world, that was the one God decided to answer. Like, at the same time, there had to be a little boy dying of leukemia who was like, God, please let me live. And God was like, sorry, kid, it's baseball season. Be <laughs> <laughs> good, I'll see you soon. <laughs> kid dies in that joke. <laughs> I kid a lot of, it's not funny. I mean, you didn't do anything about it. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> What's the next joke? What's this say? I don't want to tell that one. Here's a joke. I had, I had oh God, this is going to be personal for me. Uh, I have a long distance relationship because the only sex I ever want to have is via Skype. It's just a personal thing I have. Like, why would I ever want to masturbate to porn when I can masturbate to somebody else masturbating while a small picture of me masturbating is always in the corner? <laughs> But she came and she visited me recently and we're in an open relationship so we can do whatever we want but it was weird because I'd forgotten what it's like to have sex with somebody that you love and when you have sex with somebody that you love and who you know and who you care about it's like two beautiful bodies formed together to create the physical act of intimacy like as they work together to get each other off in the ways that they know and care about and when you have sex with a stranger it's like a bad high school group project where you're forced to work with that kid you don't really like. I'm doing all the work, why are we getting the same grade? Just stand over there, I'll tell your mom you helped. She sent me a Valentine's Day gift. I feel bad I didn't know we were doing gifts. Uh, and she did the most adorable thing. She sent me a box, and inside of the box there was a box of chocolates, a length of rope, and some metal spurs. She, oh, God, she's so cute. Oh, that's all right, I guess. Sexuality is a spectrum. I'm sorry. Do you want to hang out? You can say no. It's okay. You can also say yes. It's your silence that hurts the most. I feel bad when I do things like that. Because I know you're not supposed to talk to women uh, aggressively. But I don't get it. Like, I know it. I just don't get it. Like, I know it. I don't get it. I know that women don't want to be catcalled, but I've been catcalled once, and it was the nicest thing in my whole day. <laughs> like I was walking to work the other day, and this guy just rolled down his window and was like, Hey, you got a nice ass! And I was like, oh my gosh. I've been working on this. I'm so glad somebody appreciates it. <laughs> and I feel bad because I know that women don't like it, so I think what we as men should do is just collapse catcalling and only do it to each other. <laughs> I think the world would just be a beautiful place if every time I go to work, somebody's like, Hey, you got a nice ass! And be like, hey, He'd be like, you want to fuck? I'd be like, nah, but I appreciate the sentiment. He'd be like, smile. I'd be like, you know what? Things aren't so bad. I don't know why women hate compliments. I don't know. That's the wrong thing to say. I'm not saying that I'm not all about equality, but patriarchy is definitely my second choice. Okay. 
there's a gay bar in my neighborhood that I didn't know was a gay bar when I went in there. I just knew they sold whiskey and then I was feeling sad. And so I went in. <laughs> and I sit down and I drink a whiskey and everything's fine. And then this man walks up to me and I don't know it's a gay bar. And he just kind of walks up and puts his hand on my thighs and he's like, hey, let me buy you a drink. Uh, and I wasn't like uncomfortable because he was gay, I was, but I just felt like the right thing to do would be like, you can buy me a drink, but I just feel like the right thing to let you know is that I'm not gay, and so like a drink is as far as it's going to go. And he was like, well, if you're not gay, then why the fuck are you here? And I turned around, and I saw just a bunch of beautiful white men holding hands with each other, and I turned back to him, and I was like, hey, that's fucking racist. <laughs> now you gotta buy me two drinks. <laughs> but he didn't. I was asked to leave because I broke the safe space. <laughs> Uh, I don't know what safe spaces are. <laughs> I think that just a bunch of college-aged gay and black people get together and chant ancient incarnations like, now no one can make fun of us as long as we're in this room. <laughs> like, I did a show at a college once and it was at a place called Africa House, which means there was a bunch of black kids that were excited, like, didn't want anybody else around, and they were, this is a safe space for black people, and I was like, cool, that should be most places, this will be perfect. <laughs> So I started, it was in my first, it was like when I was first doing comedy and I'm biracial, so when you first start comedy and you tell a lot of biracial jokes, they're awful. Like one I used to tell was like, well, I'm half black and half white, which means white women love me because I'm black enough to be exotic, but white enough to be financially secure. Hoity toity, hoity toity. Uh, and then the one I told after that is one I still really like, but it got me in trouble because I was like, well, I'm half black and I'm half white, which means I'm ridiculously good at killing black teenagers. <laughs> I got an email from the dean that was like, you can never come back to this college, the students play your joke was racist. So I sent him back an email that was an annotated bibliography and a note that said, non-nigga shit statistically accurate. <laughs> College. Oh, yeah, here's another joke about black stuff. <laughs> it's what I fucking. What? You guys read that Trader Joe's article? <laughs> like a bunch of black people in North Portland just banded together and were like, we don't want white people in this part of town. Fuck you, Trader Joe's. And Trader Joe's was like, okay. And I was like, that's all it's taken all these years. <laughs> all we had to do was unite as a community. What the fuck were we doing? <laughs> what? If we would have known that 10 years ago, there wouldn't be a billion screen printers living on MLK. It's <laughs> 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 rough like that, and you, talk, you read in books and you learn all these things and they say that black America is in disarray because slavery happened, and that's a thing that everybody knows but no one really gets because it's not something that you can witness firsthand, it's something written in history. So I did the responsible thing and recently I built a time machine with some spare Legos I had laying around the house. <laughs> And then go back in time to interview slaves to find out how bad slavery is, because something to do with the time machine. I don't stop slavery, I just ask questions about it, like as many butterflies as humanly possible. So I got back in time and I ran into the slave and I was like, excuse me, sir, what's your least favorite thing about slavery? And the slave was like, well, that's kind of a loaded question. I was like, well, you were way more articulate than I expected you to be. <laughs> You're the most well-spoken piece of property I've ever tried talking to before. He was like, my least favorite thing about slavery is when they put their chains on me. And I was like, oh, well, in the future, Black people spend a lot of money on their own chains, so just enjoy it while it's free, I guess. That's joke number one. I was like, what's your second least favorite thing about slavery? The same thing, I hate when they call me the N-word, and then this joke just kind of continues as such. Like, what's your last favorite thing about, about slavery? The same thing, I just want to see my kids again. I was like, god damn, you're different from other black people. And I teleported to Portland, Oregon, so I could tell that joke in peace. Because the sound of discomfort is so much more pleasant than laughter. <laughs> uh, uh, uh.
I want to jack off to the memory of this later. I did just start, I just, I just, I'm 23 years old and for the first time in my life I started taking my time when I masturbate because I was talking to this woman she's like, yeah, I like some candles and I set lighting and I play music and then I just give myself some time and I'm like, oh, I'm going to try that and it's the best. Because <laughs> normally when I jack off it's like, fuck, I'm late for work. Fuck, I'm running out of hot water. Because that was just so nice, it's so nice. I, God, you know, you know, you look like a man who knows. You know what? That should empower you, alright? We don't have to be ashamed of our sexuality. It's <laughs> goddamn matriarchal bullshit. I'm sorry. I'm a feminist. Is being a feminist and having a tumbler the same thing? I'm pretty sure they're the same thing. Miley Cyrus twerked, I read those articles. Miley Cyrus twerked and feminism just had a very divisive split in the middle. And then black feminism comes in being all not white feminism and annoying everybody. Black feminism's like, what about us? And Portland's like, I don't have time. Sorry, I'm sorry. I can do something lighthearted. Can I? Did you think about what I asked you earlier? <laughs> I'm very tender. I made a playlist. <laughs> it's just drunken love over and over. <laughs> and we wake up in the kitchen and we're like, we know what happened. Let's never talk about this again. <laughs> you as an equal, uh, mo mostly, all the way, I'm sorry, God, you're so nice to not be yelling at me right now, well I think we've learned a lot today, I think the number one thing we learned is that if you did all your 15 minutes the last time they had this show, you should wait until you have another 15 minutes to do the show, you shouldn't do a, a decent 10 minutes and then 5 minutes of sexually harassing the audience. <laughs> and then slowly over time realizing that you have to stay in this garage with that audience for another hour. <laughs> or we can go somewhere else. <laughs> have a good night, everybody. let that pendulum swing back to whimsical. Let's just build that fourth wall right back up. Our next comic will be in this vacuum. Okay. He's a really funny guy. Um, your next comedian coming to the stage is really funny. Um, I, 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 I love watching him perform. You can see him um, on Vine. He's a Vine celebrity. Yeah. Do you guys know what Vine is? I saw, I saw some people not know what Tumblr is in that last set, so Vine is um, like an eight-second video thing, and he just tells these awesome little Vine stories. So get on Vine, and the first person you look for is Mr. Steven Wilmer! Yay! Hi. Um, little bit of a caveat before I start. I mean, this is uh, comedy night, uh, and as such, there's the expectation that this is going to be 
uh, sort of a, a greatest hits compilation of comedians and their, their jokes. Uh, for example, if you came here tonight to hear such um, classic bits of mine as uh, Hot Butt, uh, Jamba Jews, or uh, Why Crayfish So Cray, I'm sorry, I won't be doing those tonight. If you do not like that, there is a door. There is an additional door. <laughs> if the Kool-Aid man is here, there is a wall. <laughs> if uh, there is a ghost in the audience, uh, your best friend Miguel murdered you. <laughs> you, may, you may leave now. Uh, but no, much like the man who can only get off sexually, by uh, rubbing his jeans against his anus while he masturbates, but the coarse denim is causing his sphincter to chafe, I must try out new material. Uh, thank you. Uh, Michael Jackson died the other day. And, um... While he is gone, never to return, uh, the king of pop, or king of soda, depending on where you grew up, uh, <laughs> will continue to live on in the hearts, minds, and uh, tap and toes of everyone from here to the moon, uh, of which I've been told he was uh, fond of walking. <laughs> Everybody knows that Mike Jackson um, owned the Elephant Man's Bones, uh, he had a pet chimpanzee, and on several occasions was accused of molesting children. But what you may not know is, he was also uh, quite the eccentric. <laughs> In order to uh, maintain his youthful looks, uh, Mikey Jack would sleep every night in an oxygen tent. And I can make a joke now about how every night I sleep in a methane tent, but a man is dead, people! <laughs> I attended Mai Mai's funeral, and as many of you did, I'm sure, uh, and there was not a dry eye in the house. Except for his, I guess. Uh, some people uh, were crying like this. <laughs> Uh, some people were crying like this. Some people were crying like this. Ka-ching! Some people were crying like this. Ooh, bruschetta. But as I was watching them lay the torches down on his funeral pyre, I just looked with tears in my eyes, wondering if the world would ever be the same without Michael Jackson. And then later, during the wake, when everybody is dancing around, singing, celebrating his memory, I looked over my shoulder, and I saw the ghost of Michael Jackson standing there, looking at me and smiling, as if to say, uh, hey, it's all gonna be okay, Shimon. And that's when, that's when I knew that I was actually watching Return of the Jedi. 
<laughs> the Ewoks should have been a dead giveaway. <laughs> but you know Michael. <laughs> um, are we on? Are we live? Are we? Are we red? Are we going? Like, are we hot? Are we running hot? Running good? Cause I got some shit to say about Barack Saddam Hussein Obama. Yeah. Let's get real for everybody on the internet. Yeah. Barack Saddam Hussein Obama, American tyrant and quite literal puppy eater. <laughs> I, I heard one time some kids were playing frisbee and their frisbee went into his yard and they wanted it back and he wouldn't give it to them. They, they were like, hey, can we have it? And he was like, no, now beat it, pipsqueaks. I got a puppy to eat. <laughs> I, heard, I heard he ate Joe Biden's uh, lean cuisine from the, from the break room. <laughs> and then Joe Biden asked him, Hey, did you eat my Lee Cuisine from the break room? And Barack Obama was like, no. <laughs> I heard, I heard he loves his wife. <laughs> but he has said that he's commented how pretty Jessica Alba is. I think I said those out for you. A bit of a somber story now. Um, I was riding the bus, and a woman came on the bus holding a baby. And uh, before paying the fare, she sat the baby down in one of the seats. I can only assume heavy baby. And um, as she turned around to pay the fare, uh, without missing a beat, this baby just started leaning forward and forward and forward still, as if to say, hey gravity, pleased to meet you, the name is Baby, and just face plants it on the floor of the bus. It, it sounded exactly the way Nerf doesn't when you throw it on the floor of a bus. And then the baby was silent and not moving. Everybody was in shock, we didn't know what to do. Just scary, you know? And then finally the baby was started wailing. And I was like, oh, thank God, I have headphones. <laughs> I told that joke at a uh, bar once, and at the time, unbeknownst to moi, uh, there was a baby in the audience. <laughs> He was, he was not having it. <laughs> I got to that punchline, and just with an audible harumph, he downed his scotch, put on his fedora, grabbed his wife's arm. Come on, Lola, we're leaving. Oh, honey, I want to see the comedian. Comedian? He ain't no comedian. Jack Benny, now that's a comedian. That stuffed penguin with the huge sunglasses that sits at the corner of my crib, that's a comedian. This guy's a hack. Yeah, I'm talking to you, buddy. Hey, did you ever think that would hurt that baby more than smashing his face on the floor of that bus was the fact 
that the only way he could articulate the pain he was going through was with a scream you thought was too inconvenient to hear. <laughs> well, I got news for you, mister. I just make boom boom in my tidy. <laughs> And I am leaving it. And he walked away with his baby. And some of you are probably saying, Um, Steven, it seems unlikely that a baby would say and do those things. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, why do you talk like that? That is a weird... A weird voice. <laughs> like to uh, channel Rich Little for a moment and do a couple of impressions for you guys. Who's Rich Little? Ask your parents. Uh, this first impression is of, it's my impression of a robot with a stay-at-home job. A robot with a stay-at-home job. Mm, does not commute. A robot with a <laughs> This next impression is my impression of the worst Scooby-Doo villain. The worst Scooby-Doo villain. Yes, and I would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for you meddling kids, your dog, and all that semen I left everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> This last impression is my impression of that time Jeffrey Dahmer hosted Saturday Night Live. That time Jeffrey Dahmer hosted Saturday Night Live. And after I had sex with the boy's corpse, I chopped up the pieces and ate them. We got a great show for you, Wang Chong's here! Stick around! I always think I should do Fine Young Cannibals are here, but I, I think that's too long. No. Anyway, uh, uh, let's get real. Let's get really relatable, really real-atable here. Y'all motherfuckers sing in the shower? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've been known to croon a tune or two in the shower as well. I sing all the hits, the Hall and or Oats. I do it all. Um, my problem is, I will get so caught up singing in the shower that I forget that I'm showering, and I just lose track of that. And I'll tell you, I leave just as dirty as I was when I came in. <laughs> it's embarrassing. But, but then I figured, figured it out. Hey, if I wrote a song about singing in the shower, that I could sing in the shower, well then maybe that'll keep me on the right track. And I'd like to sing that for you right now. Um, it's called Viridian Espers. <laughs> Steven, it's showering time, time to scrub off that dirt and grime, 
To make double sure your bathing won't go wrong, just listen to my patent pending showering song. Just listen to my patent pending showering song. First you gotta give the water knobs a turn. You don't wanna freeze and you don't wanna burn. Just give that faucet the perfect twist and then enjoy the warm and steamy mist. And then enjoy the warm and steamy mist. Time to put your feet in ones and twos. Wait, you got your clothes on, you silly goose. You gotta be naked first, of course. No wonder your parents got a divorce. No wonder your parents got a divorce. Now you're in the buff, let's get to the soap. Lather up nice, cause you're no dope. Top down to toes is the best approach. Remember that time you were touched by your coach. Remember that? <laughs> Never mind that guy, there's cleaning to do. Don't dwell upon how nobody will ever love you. Just get that shampoo up on your head. With any luck, that shampoo will drip down to your feet, and you'll slip on it, and you'll crack your fucking skull on the porcelain of the tub, and you'll lay there dying, and no one will notice until a couple weeks later, people that are working like, hey, where'd Steven go? <laughs> and the paramedics find your bloated corpse alone in the bathroom. Not bloated because you've been laying in water for two weeks, but because you just really didn't take care of yourself. <laughs> Give your soapy body a thorough soap. Turn the shower off, now you're one clean bloke. Towel yourself down till you're nice and dry. And try to end the song on any word but cry. And try to end the song on any word. <laughs> so I mean, you can you can use that <laughs> if you want. I um I'll 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 leave with this. Um, I'm gonna take this time now to uh just shed this. Macho persona that I've been presenting for you, and uh, geek out uh, with you. Um, it's been said that uh, legendary author uh, Ernest Hemingway. What, did you clap when I said legendary author? <laughs> Finally, stuff I want to hear. Legendary author Ernest Hemingway once made a bar bet that he could write a compelling short story using only six words. And uh, here's what he did. Uh, for sale, baby shoes, never worn. All right, Jared, I think he's done it. Smile for the papers, Mr. Hemingway. <laughs> for your mastery of literature and brevity, I bestow upon you the key to the moon. Not so fast, Moon King. <laughs> write a sad-as-hell baby story using only five words. <laughs> she has this shiz. Free. Baby mittens. Hands included. <laughs> that, that really would have blown his mind. <laughs> <You know. laughs> Shotgun, dude.
Salsa Comedy Show, where you get free chips and salsa. Woo! That's the Woo! right answer. Uh, free chips and salsa, and it's Juanita's chips, the best ones. Woo! We recently found out. Who knew? Um, so uh, we, we, we're doing that this Friday at Action Adventure Theater um, with some funny comics, and you see us once a month there. Um, he is a host at Helium Comedy Club. He uh, wrote recently for the uh, New York Gotham Awards. He's a writer for that tele- uh, uh, show, award show, um, and I, I, I think he's great. Put your hands together right now for Mr. Anthony Lopez. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Keep going for bringing all the other comics you've seen tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Woo-hoo! Awesome. So, uh, well, one second here. I gotta try to get in the habit of putting my phone in uh, airplane mode before I go up. Or as you uh, Android users know it, uh, Greyhound mode. <laughs> you guys ready for a half hour of that? <laughs> this is an awesome place. Uh, you guys drinking? You guys having a good time? See a lot of it's like BYOB. That's fucking awesome. No more places need to have that. More shows need to have that. I love drinking. Anyone here? Hey, we got drink, drinking now. Hmm. God, you guys have asked me ask you guys a question. You guys uh, ever have the thought go through your head? Hey, maybe I like drinking a little bit too much. Any of you guys ever think that? <laughs> me neither. It's fucking awesome, right? <laughs> Almost had that thought recently, a few weeks ago. Almost thought it. Barely dodged it. It was fucking amazing. Let me tell you what happened. A few weeks ago, I was living in a liquor store with a friend of mine. And we had just chipped in and bought a half gallon of bullet whiskey between the two of us. And we were so excited about this purchase that once we got outside, we began to dance with the whiskey on the street, right? The saddest thing you can imagine. And I think, hey, I had my dance with a little, little, little lady that she had to love. So I tossed the ball with my friend. And my friend, because he bartended once for two weeks at a Friday's like six years ago, goes, hey, Anthony, check out this sweet trick. And he tossed the bottle up in the air. And I swear to God, you guys, he didn't even try and catch it. <laughs> and it fell and it shattered. And it was exactly like being eight years old and watching Mufasa die all over again. Like I literally did not know that life could hurt this much. And I was just saying, and I got so sad. I, just, I was just crushed. And I almost thought, hey, Anthony, it's probably a sign you like drinking too much. But I didn't have time to have that thought. Because right before I did, the sketchiest man I've ever seen in my entire life who just happened to be walking by interrupted me. The guy walks up and he goes, Yo, gross, is that whiskey? Do you mind? And I had just suffered a profound loss, so I didn't know what I was saying. So I'm like, yeah, sure. Wait, what? And I go to try to stop the guy, but it's too late. Before, uh, this guy immediately drops down to his knees, pulls off the filthiest t-shirt I've ever seen in my entire life, 
head slowly begins to soak up the whiskey with the t-shirt. And then he stood up, looked me right in the eyes, and just began to wring it out into his mouth. And I was horrified. <laughs> so I'm there, I'm shocked, right? And the guy looks at me, and like this shame, look of shame washes over his face. And ladies and gentlemen, I've never been happier to see shame on a stranger's face, right? This is what you want to see in this situation. You want to see shame. Remind you that we're all human, and that shit happens, you know? But now this guy, check this out. It was totally the wrong type of shame. It wasn't the, uh, oh no, what have I become type of shame. It was more the, uh, <laughs> where are my manners? Shit whiskey type of shame. He offered me the t-shirt and to say, hey buddy, it's not tasty, but it'll get you there. You should try it. It's got some sweat chasers built right into the corner. Give it a shot, you'll love it. So I, I, I go, uh, 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 no, like that. And the guy goes, you're lost. Like, I'm the asshole here. <laughs> Turns around, refills the shirt up with whiskey, and then just throws it on soaking wet and walks away. <laughs> and let me tell you guys something. I realized right then that, you know what? I don't think I like drinking enough. <laughs> Get fucked up tonight. So I, um, uh, knew you, kind of. Uh, I'm trying to, my New Year's resolution this year was to be the best comic I can be. It's been uh, my New Year's resolution the past few years. And to do that, uh, this year I'm trying to get out of my comfort zone and do things I'm not very good at. Uh, and the main thing I'm really bad at in comedy right now is uh, crowd work. So I'm uh, forcing myself to do a little bit of crowd work at the beginning of all of my sets. Spoilers, it will not go well. <laughs> <laughs> but let's uh, humor me and have a good time, alright? You guys ready for some crowd work? Some bad ass you love crowd work? Hi, right, hi, hi, sir. Uh, people kind of talk to you tonight. What's your name? Chris. Chris? Let's get up for Chris, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you, you ever been to one of these shows before? No. No? Awesome. That's cool. Glad to have you. All right, Chris, what's your last name? Palmer. Chris Palmer? Here, Chris Palmer. Will you take this for a second? Thank you, bro. You've just been served. Sorry about that, you guys. <laughs> I've been doing some crowd lives. I'm like, you know, process moving on the side. I've been trying to pay my bills the last few months. But hey, so is this asshole. So hey, yeah, yeah. Nah, guys, that's just a joke. I'm incredible at comedy. I don't need to work on anything. I was uh, standing on the street corner smoking pot the other day because I'm a uh, hooligan. And I was sitting there smoking a joint with a friend. It's just an envelope. Beauty school. I'll probably actually just take it back. It's like, do that joke. Do that joke tomorrow. Uh, I was I was standing on the street corner smoking pot the other day, and I was with a friend, and this uh, woman walked up to us. A very very large woman. She was short, very large. She's wearing this giant yellow T-shirt. She looked like she was trying to cosplay as the sun. It was a very strange thing to see. And this woman walks up to us, and we're just sitting there smoking pot, and we're really high. And she just walks up to us, and she goes, "Hey guys, hey guys, Are you guys waiting for the counting crows too?" <laughs> And it was weird because like five seconds before she said that and two minutes later, I wasn't waiting for the Counting Crows. But for the next two minutes, I was totally waiting for the Counting Crows or the stranger.
I looked it up, they're not even in town this week. It's weird. I was at uh, the Lloyd Center Mall the other day, and I was uh, I was using the uh, the restroom there, because I'm a human being, and it happens, don't judge me. And uh, I was standing at the urinal, and I was right about to pee, and uh, this teenager kicks open the door, and he runs in, and he holds up his water bottle, and he goes, Yo! I need clean piss! <laughs> and then he goes, oh, because he realizes I'm the only person in the restroom, so he didn't need to yell that loud, right? <laughs> so they, that's what he's embarrassed about, but he's on a mission. He needs clean piss. So the kid looks at me and goes, yo, are you about to piss? And I'm like, I'm at a urinal. I would assume so. And he's like, come on, dude, I'll give you 10 bucks. Just pee in this bottle. So I took his 10 bucks and peed in this bottle. And he's totally gonna fail that drug test, you guys. I've been thinking about this for the last week. I would love to see the look on this kid's face. When he's saying that, and they're like, well, you failed. And he's just like, oh. I, uh, the other day was, uh, my younger brother's birthday. My younger brother's a little crazy person. I have a lot of jokes about him. It's my brother Joel. He's a, he's a psychopath. Uh, the best way to describe my brother Joel is, uh, a story that happened on this birthday a few days ago, actually. This was kind of a crazy thing. Uh, my brother, uh, so my younger brother Joel, he's two years younger than me. He's about 120 pounds, soaking wet. He's one of those dudes who is, like, weight the fabric ratio is just way off. He just wears too much clothing at any given time. I'm talking like two or three triple XL hoodies with a fabric. He's just walking around Gresham like a little Roman emperor. That's what he looks like. And he's just gangster as shit and a psychopath. And uh, we, were, <laughs> we were at his house and he lives in deep Gresham. And we were partying and we were having a good time. And it was late, so I asked my brother to walk me to the max stop because I'm a coward and that's what you do. You have your little brother walk you places to keep you safe. And we were walking to the max stop, it was about midnight, and uh, we were smoking pot and uh, drinking 40s because he's a terrible influence on me. <laughs> oh wait, let me take that back, because it was a Tuesday. Uh, so we're walking there, and uh, this, is, this is absolutely the difference between my brother, Joel, and me. This sums it up clearly. We're walking down the street, smoking a joint, I have a 40 in one hand, and Joel's got a 40 and he's walking. I'm having a good time, we're just bullshitting, and this cop comes around the corner. And this is my reaction. I chuck the weed and the 40 that way, and then I just try to get really small in the shadows. Like, that's the least suspicious thing you can do. Because also, deep down, I think that's all cops really want to see. is people just get really small around them, and cops are like, yeah, it's the badge, respect it, right? I think that's what cops want. I know, right? So that's what I do. I just try to like, like that. I actually made that noise. This is my brother Joel's reaction. He walks out to the street, starts chugging his 40, and just stares the cop down, and then he goes around the corner. I was like, Joel, what the fuck are you doing? Do you know like how bad that could have been in that cop would have stopped us? And I swear to God, my brother goes, yeah, man, that would have sucked. <laughs> We would have had to be all like, 
light and shit. That was his worst case scenario. Was that we had to be polite. That was the thing he didn't want to do. So uh, the cop doesn't stop us, and I'm like, whew, I'm like, really, like, I'm kind of shaking, I'm excited. I'm like, okay, I want to keep drinking beer, though, but my beer's just gone, it's in the darkness. So I started drinking Joel's, and I'm like, kind of feeling bad, so I'm like, guys, this is Joel's beer. He probably wanted it, you know, because uh, I'm an alcoholic, so I was drinking a lot of it. And uh, I was like, oh, I don't feel too bad, so I look over, and I see in Joel's other hand, he has another beer bottle. And I was like, oh, it's clever, Joel. One for the way there, one for the way back. I like that style. And Joel goes, nah, man. This bottle's empty. Look, why do you have an empty bottle? And I swear to God, my brother said, Oh, you know, I figured, like, it's my birthday. I've always really wanted to smash a bottle on someone's face, so if the opportunity comes up tonight... <laughs> you know what I get myself for my birthdays every year? A CD. <laughs> you know what Joel's idea for his birthday gift to him himself? Assault and battery. <laughs> He's a fucking psychopath. <laughs> I love that guy though. My brother Joel, he's like, uh, he's one of those dudes who's always like saying like the dumbest shit you've ever heard, but that's why I love him. Like if you don't have someone in your life like this, you should get someone in your life like this. Like I was hanging out with my brother Joel uh, a while back, and we were sitting around uh, drinking, because that's what we do. And uh, my brother Joel looks at me and says, hey Anthony, you ever think about how trying to please a woman sexually is exactly like trying to solve a Rubik's Cube. <laughs> that's Joel, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard you say. And it's the same guy who four years ago tried to explain to me how doggy style sex and anal sex were the same exact thing. Because, and I quote, female dogs totally don't have vaginas, bro. <laughs> True thing he said to me. But in a weird way, I can kind of see where he was coming from with that one, right? Sort of looks similar if you don't know much about shit, you know? But on this one, I was like, no, I'm not going to give you an inch on that one. Pleasing a woman sexually is nothing like trying to solve a Ruby's cube. Here's my argument. Fellas, tell me if you agree. I said, Joel, I don't know about you, but I've never once in my 26 years of life have had a Rubik's Cube pretend to solve itself just to make it feel better. <laughs> but when I find that Ruby's cute, I'm gonna marry it. <laughs> I don't know why I picked the beer that time. I'm gonna drink it. <laughs> I, uh, I did just turn 26. I turned 26 a few months ago. Uh, any of you guys ever do that? <laughs> I don't think I'm gonna do it again. <laughs> I, uh, when I turned 26, I started having these uh, weird panic attacks, uh, and I was trying to figure out what it is, and a friend of mine uh, said, Anthony, you're probably having a uh, quarter-life crisis. <laughs> I didn't think that's true, because I got this shit on lockdown. I'm amazing. <laughs> uh, and I was trying to figure out what it is, and I was like, well, I am kind of panicking about something, and I kind of realized that what it was is that I'm like, my whole generation panics me. Like, I don't know about you guys, but I'm 26, and I look at people like literally two days younger than me, and I'm like, wow, those have to be the dumbest people yet. <laughs> Young people today are embarrassing, and they're dumb, and I don't like it. They can't do anything right. I feel like I'm part of a shitty generation. Let me give you an example. Like, have you seen the way 20-year-olds like, protest nowadays? It's super embarrassing. I was walking by a protest the other day, and I saw this like 20-something-year-old hippie walking down the street with this giant sign that just read, uh, Government Abuse! is 
child abuse. And that doesn't make any goddamn sense. It's not how you protest, bro. You can't just walk around and pick two things you don't like together and be all like, checkmate, you'll move, government. <laughs> That's how you protested. You constantly see me walking around with a giant sign that would just read something like, I don't know, like, global warming is ICP's music. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> ICP's a shitty band. <laughs> You guys seem cool. Uh, usually when I tell that joke, uh, instead of saying ICP, I say Nickelback's music because uh, Nickelback's a broader reference. And the other thing is I'm really scared of ICP fans. Because <laughs> I don't know if you guys have ever met an ICP fan, but they're, they're fucking crazy. They're in the ICP music. <laughs> they're lunatics. You guys big ICP fans? <laughs> I, uh, I don't know, man. I feel like a big part of like, why people are so dumb nowadays is like, we're just too dependent on technology. Like, I don't know about you guys, but like, I can't get anywhere without my GPS system taking me there at this point. I got like a GPS in my car. It's one of those kooky ones. Like, they has all these different voices. They recently updated it the other day and added like 40 new voices to it. I was pretty excited about that. I was scrolling through the list and I saw that one of the voices was this entitled uh, Stoned Best Friend. <laughs> And I was like, this is awesome. And it was awesome for about 30 minutes. Until I realized my GPS was only taking me to Taco Bells after that. <laughs> Too dependent on technology myself. Too, I don't know, I don't do anything. I had the day off. I had like a work meeting this morning. And I just went home and uh, do what I do on like a lot of my days off. Instead of like trying to write jokes. I uh, will like so to try to write a joke and I'll either like fact check something and I'll go to Wikipedia and just get caught in like a Wikipedia cycle for the next six hours. <laughs> you guys ever do that? You know, if we, for a Wikipedia cycle, if you guys don't know what that is, when you go on wikipedia.com and you just go from one article to another to another to another, you know, forgetting useful shit. And I did that today and I was trying to uh, fact check something on uh, World War II history. And I just started learning all this stuff. So I'm like pretty fascinated in that whole time period. And it's like a really great point in history. It's a whole, whole generation of people who are so much better than my generation. So I'm like, awesome. And uh, I, I was scrolling through it. And I learned something today I, I didn't know before this. Do uh, you guys know that the Nazis didn't invent the swastika? Yeah. Yeah, see. I didn't know that before today. You guys don't. The swastika is actually an ancient Eastern religious symbol that stands for peace and love. I mean, kind of your fellow man. And the Nazis changed it just a little bit and ruined it forever. I thought that was so fascinating. And it got me really angry just thinking about that. I'm trying to come up with like a good modern analogy for this today, you know? And uh, the best one I can think of is that the Nazis did to the swastika the same thing that uh, Vanilla Ice did to Under Pressure. <laughs> Changed it just a little bit. Fucking ruined it. Bummer. It's got me interested in other things the Nazis ruined, you know? You know, everyone knows the big things, you know? Mostly the late 30s, early 40s. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, something I never really thought about. Another big thing the Nazis ruined? 
both poets of Adolf Hitler's name, Adolf and Hitler. Hitler, we can't live without. It's kind of a shitty name. But Adolf's a pretty cool name, right? Does anyone know what the name Adolf means? Not so smart now, are you? Uh, Adolf, I love this name. Adolf is a dramatic name that means the noble wolf. That is such a sick fucking name, ladies and gentlemen. Do much I would love if I could name my son. Oh, yeah, it's my son, the noble wolf Lopez. Watch out. He's a charismatic speaker. He'll bite you. Yeah. Can't name my kid Adolf in 2014, can you? No. It's one of only two names that have been 86 from that book, 50,000 Baby Names. It's Adolf and Judas. That's it. Why couldn't Hitler have done one good thing with his life, you know? Why couldn't Hitler's name have been a name everyone hates already? Why couldn't Hitler's first name have been something like, I don't know, like Blake? <laughs> Blake Hitler. It just sounds so right, doesn't it? <laughs> Has anyone here ever met a cool Blake before? No, because they don't exist. They're all shitty people. <laughs> You know something I learned about the name Blake today on Wikipedia? I discovered that no one is actually born and given the name Blake. Blake is actually just an honorary title they give to you when you're 16, when your friends and family realize you're gonna be just a giant piece of shit the rest of your life. They just call you in the room, hey Steven, you're Blake now, get the fuck out of here. That's absolutely true. You can look it up on Wikipedia. I wrote it there like six hours ago myself. No one's taken it down yet. Uh, I didn't actually do all that today. I, uh, it's an old joke. I've been doing the joke for a little bit. I, I was doing the joke in, uh, in uh, Seattle a few weeks ago. And uh, after the show, I was walking to the coat and this real scary looking dude came up to me. He goes, yo, faggot! My name's Blake! And I was just like... Oh, I never even considered this possibility. <laughs> it just threw me for such a loop. I never even thought this could happen. <laughs> and I was just there at the guy, and I was like, all right, one, two, I apologize. And two, thank you for proving my point. And I high-fived him. <laughs> then I ran back to Portland. Favorite fact I've ever learned on Wikipedia, uh, just because I wrote a really good joke about it, is uh, I was on Wikipedia a while ago and I learned, I was on George Lucas's Wikipedia page because I was interested in guys who ruin great things. Uh, and I discovered about George Lucas that George Lucas is worth $3.4 billion. And uh, that number, I, just, I don't know why, just George Lucas being really rich. It's just kind of my head. $3.4 billion, that is so much money. Can any of you guys imagine having $3.4 billion? Like all the good you could do if you had that much cash? And let me tell you guys something right now. If I ever get that rich, not a single friend of mine will ever again be hungry, up to their neck in medical bills, or forced to go to a shitty dead-end job ever again. I plan to exclusively hang out with other billionaires. <laughs> <laughs> that joke's entitled, Fuck Poor People. <laughs> I uh, mentioned dead-end jobs. In that last joke, does anyone here work a dead-end job? Yeah. Everyone else is just living the dream, that's beautiful. <laughs> Fuck 
fucking millionaire convention in this house. That's awesome. <laughs> I work a shitty job. I like it. See a lot of weird shit at my job. That's one of the things I like about it. I go work at a movie theater. It's pretty fun. See a lot of weird things. One of the like the weirdest thing I've ever seen at my job. Was a few months ago, I was at my work and I was uh, behind the counter. And this couple came in. And they were like, they were like mid thirties. They seemed really happy. They were laughing. Like that's the thing I remember most about them is they were laughing and having a good time. They're about to see a movie. It's gonna be a great evening for them. And sometime between the admission counter and the concession counter where I was at, the wife said something to the husband, and I have no idea what it was. But I swear to God. This was this guy's reaction to it. <laughs> Enough with the ping pong! <laughs> this guy had had it up to here with the ping pong, ladies and gentlemen. Have a great joke for this, this is more of a thought experiment. <laughs> but just sometime in the next 24 hours, try to imagine how much ping pong you could take before you just had to lose your shit in the lobby of a movie theater. Like, I've thought about it. That's a lot of fucking ping pong that I would need, like, months of it, like, dreams of it, just so much fucking ping pong. You work a shitty job, you gotta have fun with it, you know? Occasionally, things like that happen, but for the most part, it's just, you know, boring, monotonous. I can play a lot of games at my work, my favorite game to play at my job. Uh, you guys can play this if you work around money in any type at all. Is uh, next time you're behind the register and you have a young, well, attractive woman come up to you and you give her a total. I see this a lot. Uh, you give her a total and you see her reaching her wallet and you notice that she only has $1 bills on her. As soon as she walks away, get all your co-works together and play this little gem of a game. Stripper, waitress, or criminal. <laughs> because everyone knows there's only three types of people on the planet who only carry $1 bills on them, right? Strippers, waitresses, or criminals who make their living only robbing strippers or waitresses. That's it. I, uh, that's fun. You guys are a good crowd. I, uh, I'm a pretty nerdy guy myself. I, uh, I like, I like, the thing I like about working at a movie theater is I, I love movies, see a lot of movies. Uh, Next year, uh, this year, I guess. Holy shit, 2014, isn't it? When that happened? What? Weird. Uh, this year, they're, uh, they're remaking like, like, a lot of remakes. Like, there's three remakes coming out this week, like yesterday. Like, Robocop, About Last Night, and Endless Love. It's insane, and they all suck. I haven't seen any of them. I'm just gonna assume they do. And they're remaking my, my favorite movie of all time uh, this year. Uh, it's my favorite group of all time. Favorite comic book of all time. It's a little ragtag group of superheroes. I don't know if you guys ever heard of them, but they're called the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And they're remaking it, and it's gonna blow, and nothing pisses me off more, because I love TMNT. Do you have any fans of Teen Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in the house? I fucking love them. The greatest group ever. Everyone loves the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Everyone on the planet. I'm trying to figure out why that is for a while. I'm like, why does this one group have such amazing universal appeal? And I figured it out recently. The reason why everyone loves 
the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's because they're the only group in the history of the entire universe whose name is four words that make the idea exponentially more awesome as it goes. <laughs> with me if you will on a journey <laughs> of what it must have been like to be the first person ever pitched the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Could you imagine being that comic book editor? Getting up to work one day, putting your pants on one leg at a time, going into work, about to sit down at your desk for your first cup of coffee, when right then a young enthusiastic writer just kicks open your door and runs, he's like, yo Steven, you have a second? I got an idea, I just got a pitch to you. All right, Glenn, so we hired you, that young enthusiasm. <laughs> What's it about? Well, check it out. It's about these teenagers. Wait, teenage. Yeah, I just fucked with that joke. Holy shit. <laughs> I haven't done that in a long time. I'm still over. Kind of. <laughs> it's about these teenagers. All right. All right, Glenn, I'm gonna stop you right there. That's brilliant. Think about it. It's the main target demographic. What do we know about them immediately, huh? We know they love skateboarding. We know they only eat pizza. And I'm guessing they don't take authority all too seriously. <laughs> Tell me more about this group of rascals. <laughs> well, check this out. They're also mutants. <laughs> what the fuck did you just say to me? <laughs> Did you just come into my office and pitch me an idea about teenage mutants? <laughs> Have you pieced together that that is a perfect metaphor for what it feels like to be an adolescent? <laughs> this is genius! I'm on the edge of my seat! Tell me more! Well, check this out. They're also ninjas! Ninjas! <laughs> They're teenage mutant ninjas! Holy shit, I'm glad I'm not driving right now because all I can see is dollar signs. <laughs> this is the greatest idea I've ever heard. No, don't you dare add any more to it. Because there is literally no word in the tongue of men or elves that you could possibly say. That would make this idea any better. Or blow my mind any more than you have just blown it in the last two minutes. Good day. Good sir. <laughs> well, they're also, uh, turtles. <laughs> <laughs> that guy died. Everybody <laughs> 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 fucked up at the beginning of the joke. I've done that joke so many times, like more than there are atoms in the universe. <laughs> That's embarrassing. Uh, I'm gonna end up on a joke I'm not gonna fuck up on. This time, I'll tell you this. Uh, 2014 has been kind of, kind of rough for me this year. Uh, but I'm hoping it's gonna be good. Cause like last year was awesome. Last year was like one of the best years of my entire life. Except for like around this time last year, my parents got a divorce. Which is a very strange thing to go through as an adult. Uh, Cause I've had to deal with my parents dating again over those last few months. Uh, and it's a very strange thing to, as an adult, have your parents start dating again. 
Because I don't know about what your guys' experience if that was, if you've had anything like this, but my experience with my parents dating again was first I was like, oh, you know what? Good for them. Because I just want my parents to be happy. And then I realized over the last year that I don't. <laughs> just full stop. I don't. And then just, because my parents are just, they're dating the shittiest people you could possibly imagine. And it's, it's really my mom, my dad, uh, they're, they're fine. Uh, my mom, though, was just dating the biggest douchebags. And I wouldn't have such a problem with the people my mom wanted to date if, and this is absolutely true, if my mom's favorite first date idea wasn't uh, taking guys out to see me do stand-up comedy. <laughs> Six guys in the last five months. I've had to deal with this. The last one was the absolute worst. Let me tell you about this. I, I was opening up for a hero of mine. Did this, like, this big show at uh, the comedy club here in Portland. And I was having a great time. It's probably like the best week I've ever had doing comedy. It was amazing, and it would like, in my memory be like, it's an incredible week, but all I can remember from the week is that late night Friday show. When 10 minutes before I was supposed to go up, I got a text from my mom. I said, hey Anthony, come out to the lobby. There's someone you just gotta meet. <laughs> and I was like, oh no. So I walk out to the lobby, and there's my mom, and she grabs me by my own, she's like, so take, like walking me to the lobby, and that's my mom says to me, she says, oh my God, Anthony, I can't wait for you to meet this guy. You're never gonna believe how tall he is. Could you imagine me with a tall man? I couldn't. Oh my god, they're amazing. Oh, whoa! Whoa, mom! I don't think you're meaning to insinuate what you're insinuating, but you need to knock it the fuck off right now. And I go and meet this guy, and he's like 6'9. He's a really tall guy. But he's a giant piece of garbage. Alright, so this guy was in his uh, like late 50s. He was wearing like skin tight, like like a leather t-shirt and pants. He had short, spiky, bleach blonde hair and a tongue ring. His name was Rupert. And this is my first impression of Rupert. This is the first thing he says to me. He goes, oh, Anthony, oh wow, I, uh, I really can't wait to see your little skits you're gonna do on stage tonight. That person gets it. <laughs> For you those who don't, let me explain. Skits is literally the worst thing you can say to a comedian. I would have rather him come up to me and be like, hey buddy, call me dad. <laughs> Not saying I want to hear that, I'm just trying to illustrate how much I hate the word skits. It's gross. <laughs> So I'm like, oh god, this is awful. And I'm like, whatever, I'm not gonna think about it. This week's been amazing. I'm gonna go up and do my set. And uh, I'm like, whatever, I'm not gonna think about it. So I go up on stage, and the first thing I see is that the staff of the club, God bless them, didn't know this is my mom and Rupert, so they sat them in the front row, right under a light. You can't see any of the other crowd except for my mom and Rupert. That's it. And that's all I could focus on. And my entire act, Rupert could not have given two shits less about any of my jokes. Instead, he pisses over on my mom, and he kisses her ear gently for my entire act. That's all I can see. And it's just driving me insane. I'm like fucking up my setups, and like my, my timing's all off, and everything sucks. I'm just focusing on this. Every time I'm like about to deliver a joke, I kind of see that. I'm like, oh, gross. And then like I try to, it just sucks, and it's so angry. I'm just feeling with, like, feeling with rage, and I'm just so upset. And then near the end of my set, with like two, three jokes left, my mom kind of like, she kind of feels that 
I'm not doing very good. I'm not very happy. And uh, she like elbows him. He's like, come on, just pay attention. So I see that he's listening and looking. I look at him and he looks at me. And I was so angry that without thinking as a segue between two jokes, I just said, well, as you guys can imagine, it was very hard growing up with a mom who's HIV positive. <laughs> Jokes, fuck Rupert. <laughs> Thank you very much, Matthew Lovett. Uh, we want to thank White Tiger Radio, and uh, we just want to thank all you guys for coming out, supporting the local Portland comedy scene. All these people live here. You can see them all the time, like once a month. Uh, if you if you want to go um, see more comedy, please do so. And uh, come to the next one of these, which is happening probably. Okay, it's not on the books. That's a good marketing technique. Um, so <laughs>